0: Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to ariselife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I remember hearing this phrase years ago that the generation that experiences a move of God always rejects the next move of God. Why do you think that is? Any guesses? It doesn't look like the one you had. God does not repeat himself. You guys remember, how did he divide the Red Sea? Anybody? Moses did what? Extended the rod, And then everybody walked through, right? They waited for it to open and then they stepped in. How did the Jordan River part? Do you guys remember? When they stepped into it, the waters part. How did the river part for Elijah and Elisha? He struck it with his his cloak. God does not repeat Himself, but we want Him to, don't we? You know what repeats itself? Magic techniques. So, hearing that, because I'm a smart cookie, I was like, "Okay, I'm going to be offended by the coming move of God, so I got to get myself ready. How do I not get offended? You know?" And I was praying, and and uh, I've spent. At least the last 15 years preparing for the next move of God and to not be offended. What do you think happened? I, I went up to Asbury College and as some of you know, uh, this is our heritage. This is where Masha and I went to college. It's the town I grew up in. My father was the president of Asbury. I've been part of two non-stop as chapel services that didn't end already prior to this point this is a thing that has happened not to this degree definitely before the advent of social media anyway but i've also participated in about four or five moves of god at other times in my life and i've learned how to engage holy spirit who here you know how to lean into holy spirit in a space When God's present, you know how to lean in. And I'll tell you what, like, if you go with me to something where God's moving, y'all are on your own. I'm getting me some. Forget you. Like, literally, literally, y'all, I'm like, you know, I'll trip you. I'll push you out of the way. You will not. Literally, there was one time, Masha and I, Masha and I, uh, I want to say it was Randy Clark was speaking, and, and he was saying something, and all of a sudden, we just felt it. Masha and our friend Kelly and I, we just started running to the front while he's speaking. And I just grabbed onto his ankle. I'm like telling you guys, you don't mess with me. Nobody's going to get between me and my meal in the Holy Spirit. So I'm, I'm driving up on Wednesday, and I say, oh, God, oh, God. I'm just, I'm like, I, I'm just, but you know what, ho, oh. oh. Feel like I'm navigating a minefield, the Holy Spirit, just to stay up here. Go for it, baby. Well, no, I would what Paul said, if I'm out of my mind it's for my sake. If it's I'm in my mind, it's for y'all. Okay, so anyway, I'm I talked with various people who had been there already at Asbury. In various things, and I saw some interviews of people I really value who had been there and what terrified me was this i know it's a move of god but i don't know what to do with it i don't know how to enter in it doesn't look like what i've experienced and i could tell they were on the outside one one person told me i felt like a voyeur looking in on somebody else's intimacy with god Oh, God, no, not me, not me. And I was gripped by a fear of the Lord. God, whatever it takes, don't let me miss what you're doing. Because another thing that happens anytime a move of God happens, this happened with Jesus, is the crazies come out. No, literally, everybody comes looking for what they're looking for, trying to find it there. And let me tell you, you will find it. Why? Because there's other people looking for the same thing. And there's always these little side parties, side circuses going on at a move of God. If you've been part of a move of God, you know what I'm talking about. There's a, you have, oh, whatever you're looking for. It's like a food court. You're like, you want that? You want that? Want you? But that's not necessarily what God is doing. Stay with me. You can get what you came for, but miss God. Do You guys remember jesus god was skin on stood up he was healing the sick he was raising the dead he was he was um you know uh you know he he feeding everyone and then what did he say Ooh, you guys ready for the revelation yes bring it on we're ready for the revelation well if you want to be with me you gotta eat my flesh that oh you're still here okay then let's take it a little further drink my blood Who's left? Turns around, there's 12 dodos who don't know to flee. Aren't you going to leave? And I mean, even one of you is demonized. So if somebody's demonized and they still made the cut, I just don't know. I don't know, they're frozen to the spot, but whatever. The thing is... Is that God with skin on was in front of people who were waiting for him? You don't understand the atmosphere that was in Judah in, in Galilee in that time. They had been one after another Messiah. They were desperate for the Messiah. They had whole movements. They were in the middle of a massive charismatic revival in Pharisaism. We give Pharisees a bad name, but Pharisees were charismatic, radical believers dedicated to the Word, dedicated to holiness, and pursuing signs and wonders. They had healing, they had exorcisms, deliverance, they had the whole, the three of the greatest rabbis to this day that um, Jews look to were in Galilee in the first century. How many of them followed Jesus? How many Pharisees followed Jesus? How many Sadducees? Guys, the very people who were desperately looking for him missed him. And so I was terrified. The fear of the Lord was gripping me so bad. And I'm driving up there. And the Lord's like, hurry. I'm like, I'm hurrying. I don't know why I'm hurrying. They're not ending. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I get up there. And it's already at that point. It's packed out. They're saying people are waiting hours to get in. And the Lord's like, hurry. And he, he like, literally guides me in. I I mean, I know the back ways. So, you know, uh, you got to be from around here. You know me. Anyway, and... uh, and anyway, I find this spot. The Lord's like, park there, park there. And I'm like, hurrying there. And as I get there, it turns out they literally just kind of announced a break and everybody's fleeing, leaving the building. And I'm able to pretty much walk straight in. Get a seat right in the middle. I didn't know it was reserved for students. I'm dumb. I just was like, I'm getting me some. I'm glad I didn't know. I did it, I, I, I sinned uh, by accident. Anyway, and I'm just there. I'm like, and worship is going. And uh, maybe you heard, the worship was off key. Two or three people. Sometimes the instruments were together. I'm like, that's all right. I'm not going to stumble over that. I'm getting me something. Right? Leaning in, getting me something. And I'm leaning in. I'm starting to have a good time. And Jesus said, stop it. I'm like. That's what I came for. And he said, you're going to miss what I'm doing because you're getting what you want. I dialed it back, turned it down, got still and really scared because I wasn't picking anything up on my radar. If you know my spiritual feeler type, some of them. Like, like I, was like, I was like, okay, all right, I'm going to r- draw down my offense on the worship. You... Will offense keep you from receiving? Oh, yes. Judgment is a beautiful way to miss Jesus. It says that he had no form of loveliness that we would consider her esteem him at all. What I think that means is he looked like that nut, nut, uh, nutso cousin up the holler in Kentucky. I don't think he looked good. I'm sorry, ladies. I said, sorry about the, the chosen. That, he's too good looking, according to Isaiah. Here he is. But anyway, so I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh God, preserve me from any offense. And of course, then uh, a girl pops up to, in front of me, uh, you know, uh, provocatively dressed. Yeah. God's like, it ain't about you. Deal with my offense. Deal with this. Deal with that. I'm just like dealing with offense left and right. It's like a windshield wiper in the middle of a, of a rainstorm. If you're going to encounter God, you have to get rid of judgment. You have to get rid of judgment. You have to get rid of judgment. And so I'm just like, okay, 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 The Lord said, watch. Watch. And then some, I'd hear somebody, and somebody would rise up and start to do what we know to do in the middle of the Holy Spirit, don't we? Somebody starts blowing a shofar. I'm like, oh, it's like dropping a rock into the ocean. It makes a sound and disappears. It like it didn't. I was like, it didn't resonate with what God was doing. I was like, okay. Then somebody starts going, ah, no, no, no. Drops like a rock into the. And I'm like, there's a quietness in the place. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I felt like Elijah. Remember Elijah when he's in the cave, and he goes, and then there was a a, a earthquake, but God wasn't in it. Then there was a thunderstorm, God wasn't in it. Then there was lightning, God wasn't in it. And then there was a still, small voice. And I was like, I'm watching, I'm watching. And I'm becoming increasingly full of the fear of the Lord that I might miss it. But you know what? If we're not to miss the move of God, I'm so grateful we can look to Scripture for some background. Do you guys remember John the Baptist? John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. Knew him growing up. There he is. He's preaching repentance, all this stuff. This incredible move of God. People are coming out, getting baptized, getting set free. It's amazing. And then Jesus shows up, and John goes, "Man, <laughs> you should baptize me." I don't. And he goes, "No, this has to fulfill the word." So Jesus gets baptized, and he comes out of the water. John hears. The voice of God, as, a, as the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus as a dove and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Who has John the Baptist known Jesus as his whole life? Cousin. The ugly one from Galilee. Right? Like he's known him. Do you want to know how you'll miss the move of God? Because you think you know. Do you know who the greatest prophet in your life is? The person you live with that you do not esteem at all. See, a prophet is not necessarily one who knows what they're doing. It's the one God speaks through. God can speak through a donkey. I'm fairly confident the donkey's IQ was not great. God can speak. Listen, I can't tell you the number of times God has spoken through Danya, and she was not partnering with Holy Spirit in that moment, if you know what I mean the same thing. God can speak if we'll have ears. Anyway, and here's John, and he's listening to the voice of God, and I promise you, John's like, and Jesus goes, hey man, thanks for the bath, and takes off. The next day, John sees Jesus coming. This is John chapter 1. He sees Jesus coming, and he goes to his disciples, behold the Lamb of God. I don't, I think, notice he didn't say anything the first day. I think it took him 24 hours. Like, he's like, Did I hear that? Anybody here had a spiritual experience and afterwards you're like, did that actually happen? I don't know. Was I out of my mind? Anyway, but he has a moment of clarity as Jesus walks up and he goes, guys, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the whole world. I saw this happen, guys. This is for real. This is legit. And so John closes down his ministry and follows Jesus. Does he? What has he been waiting for his whole life? But some of his disciples. Why do you think his disciples followed him, but he didn't? Some of his disciples followed Jesus, but he didn't. What do you just take a guess? He wasn't called. He wasn't called. Who is not called to follow Jesus? He was called to believe and, and teach the word of Jesus. But he was—he was—he uh, was there to kind of say, "This is the guy who's support." There's calling. I want to submit to you. His calling may have been complete. How much more effective of a call if it, remember John the Baptist? Yeah, he's with Jesus now. He follows around with a finger. Anybody here, your calling yesterday keeps you embracing the transformation of your calling today? Because you have an idea of what it looks like? Anybody here miss God because you had an idea of what it might look like? And in this point, I'm just putting this out here. I would also submit he had a good thing going. He was number one hot, hot, hot honcho of the John the Baptist Evangelistics Association. He had a whole gig going. And uh, uh, so uh, you want to be the, the cheese and crackers guy for the Jesus ministry? How about I just keep doing what I'm doing and we'll send, send the residuals to you, Jesus? Just putting it out there. Anyway, but there's a more pungent, painful moment in Luke chapter 7 or Matthew 11 where John the Baptist is now in prison because he decided to make his ministry political. And he calls out Herod. By the way, Herod wasn't a Jew. (laughs) Like, sometimes we demand righteousness from people who don't know Jesus and it's a little wonky, but moving on. In this point, He's in prison. Is it? And he's not pointing to anybody at this point. And he sends his disciples to Jesus with one question. What's the question? Are you the one? Or should we wait for another? Anybody see a problem? He's already been told that. He's been told that. Why do you think John the Baptist is missing the move he prophesied, called forth, and recognized? What do you think? Huh? Life's not going good? good. Wasn't what he expected? He's not part of it. Okay, let's just get real, my my highly spiritual people. When you imagine the moves of God, are you not right up at the front? Are you not right in the forefront? Leading the charge? Because it's all about me. I'm just confessing my stuff. You worry about yourself. Listen, I'm a much bigger sinner than y'all ever hoped to be. Anyway, as evidence, because when you lean into the presence of God, everything that's not God gets revealed. And in that place, as I'm sitting there, I'm going, Oh, Jesus, don't let me miss it. And God goes, Reminds me of John. And I'm like, This is not encouraging, Lord. (laughs) This is not encouraging. This is not encouraging. Do you think John had seen some things that Jesus did that he didn't understand and thought were wrong? Mm-hmm. Anybody here judged your neighbor and found out you was the one who had an issue? <laughs> I mean, not you. I've done that, right? Right? It's amazing. Here, you know, there's some things maybe you heard some gossip in the grapevine from Nazareth. Oh <laughs> man whatever. Anyway, John is having second thoughts because it didn't look like, and Jesus turns around and says this amazing phrase in, in uh, chapter seven of Luke. Let me just flip there real quick. He says this phrase, It said, so the men came and it said, at that very time, they said, Are you the one or should we wait for someone else? At this very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. Also, he had just raised a guy from the dead. Things are good. He said to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, this isn't a random list, by the way. This is a list that the the Messiah watchers had on their website. Signs of the Messiah, right? Now, remember, the Pharisees have all the signs of the Messiah, and they still missed him. Jesus is pulling, just copying and pasting from a website. These are signs that every... One was looking for but he's quoting particularly from isaiah 29 isaiah 35 and isaiah 31 but there's one thing missing from that list you guys remember how isaiah 61 goes the lord has anointed me right to preach what good news to the poor yay we're doing that check release those who sit in darkness who's sitting in darkness john the baptist I only see six out of seven things on that list, Jesus. Are you really you? I would submit every single one of us has an offense at the point of our pain and lack that will keep us, coming to Je- keep us from coming to Jesus except through that one thing. Do You know what I'm talking about? What's the burning pain in your life? You deal with this, Jesus, and you are Lord. Let me tell you, he's Lord, all right, and he don't take orders. Jesus, I lay down my agenda, my understanding, my idea of how it's supposed to happen and when it's supposed to be. Oh, God. And Jesus says this thing. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Do you know what that means? That more than likely you're going to stumble over Jesus. Why? Because he doesn't do it the way we want when we want, how we want, or how we expect. How would we not miss it? How would we not miss it? Oh, God, I don't want to miss it. And so in this place, like I said, I'm watching what God's doing, and, and I'm like, oh, God, I'm missing it! I'm missing it! And I'm watching people just like me who are trying to work something up. They're trying to make something happen based on what they know God does, and it's not going anywhere. I'm like, oh, he said, pay attention, what's happened? I said, nothing. (laughs) There were a couple times he just went quiet. It's almost like, anyway. And so I'm in this place and I'm watching. He said, watch. And this 20, 21 year old college student from another college comes up and they said, she wants to share a testimony. She does not proceed to bring a testimony. She begins to attempt to do a sermon. And it is not a good sermon. Not the way anybody judges sermons. Have you ever watched somebody trying to give a sermon the way they think a sermon should be, but it's not actually doing very well? You know, they're just copying and pasting what they think should happen, but it's not them. Does that make sense? And then, and I was like, I'm watching. I'm just like, I'm watching, Jesus. I'm not saying anything. He said, yeah, you're also judging. I was like, my windshield wipers are on fall. I'm just working hard. I'm trying to keep my windshield clean. I mean, it's a full-time job. Man, do you know? I mean, there's a reason why he's called Lord of the Flies, man. They're just all over the windshield. Anyway, and I was like, Jesus, I'm just working. I'm working, Lord. Give me something to work with. And then he said, did you see that? I was like, what? He said, do you see? She said something. It didn't come out the way it should, but the college-age students got it, and they responded. I was like, I missed it. He said, I know. I was like, okay. Keep watching. I'm like, I'm watching. I'm watching. Jesus, help me, Lord. And then she begins to, she kind of gets a little broken free from what she thinks people are supposed to do when they're on stage, and she starts being more vulnerable, And the young people begin to respond, respond. The young adults, under 25, begin to respond. What I watched, though, is most of us didn't. I've just got to tell you. I was like, okay, I'm with them. I don't know what this is. I'm with them. I'm not getting it, but I want to get it. I said, oh, God, what am I not seeing? He said, keep watching. Keep watching. He said, everything you're looking for is not what's happening here. I yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Help me, Lord. So keep watching. She watched. I watched as she became more and more vulnerable, more and more real, less and less, you know, in the box and well put together. And the, and the, and the, and the more and more God's power began to flow out to the 25 and under. And a few of us over, Began to get it. Just a few. I could still see people like, I need to work this up. And the stillness and the gentleness that was coming over the, the students was palpable. I was like, okay, God, you're doing something. I still feel like I'm a little bit on the outside. Keep watching, keep watching, keep watching. And God began to do something. And I began to learn how to perceive it and enter in because I didn't ask it to be what I wanted or what I was looking for. I'll get to that in a second. But how do we not miss it? And I was like, oh God, oh God. So I'm I'm doing this whole thing with John the Baptist. I'm like, oh Jesus, I need to go study that scripture. I'm not getting anything anyway. Might as well have a Bible study. (laughs) And Jesus, and I was like, where is that? You ever done this? You're like, where is that in the Bible? And I, and my mind popped in Luke eight. And I was like, aha, nope. Well, obviously I can't hear Jesus. So then I flip, I finally find it in Matthew 11. Well, as we saw, it was, it was in Luke 7. I was only off by one. But the whole time God said, I told you Luke 8. I'm like, obviously I don't hear God right. It's just a, Luke 8, Luke 8. So I finally came to Luke 8 and he goes, Read Luke 8. I'm like, huh? Guess what Luke 8 is? Flip it there. You've got Bibles. Verse 4. Well, a large crowd was gathered. This is right after this situation. It's the first teaching back on that side. He says, it says that Jesus told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed as he was scattering seed. Some fell along the path and it was trampled on and the birds ate it up and some fell on the rocky ground. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Now, remember, they've been watching miracle after miracle. Obviously, power's going on, right? You're like, (sighs) it's like me going to Asbury. People are gathered. People are experiencing something. And now the teaching, oh, we're going to get understanding of what this is all about. Welcome to the Agricultural Cooperative. Today, we'll be talking about plants. (laughs) And I love he goes, you know, he basically says, and then when he said this, he goes, you guys ready? To he, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, obviously, I'm deaf. I'm deaf. What? Notice, this is his teaching right after he's watched John miss it. I submit he's trying to tell them how not to miss it. How not to miss a move of God. So let's dive into there real quick. It's just a few verses. His disciples asked him, I love it, I think in Matthew or Mark, he says they came to him later and was like, You're killing your reputation. People have no clue what you're talking about, including us. (laughs) And Jesus goes, well, he says this. His disciples asked him, what does this parable mean? And he says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. Wait, 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 wait. What differentiated these people from the the rest of the people? What do you think? The people he said, I'll give you the understanding of the parable, but not those people. What's the difference? They asked. They asked. Okay, who here is too old to ask a question? Okay, men, asking directions, right? <laughs> right? No, no, what does it mean when I ask a question? I don't, know. I don't know. Who here, I don't know, is a bad thing, right? It's shameful. There's something wrong with me. Who has no problem asking questions? Children. I'm on you too. I'm good for you. Children. Jesus, I don't understand. They're really general with their questions too. Have you noticed that? It's usually, I don't understand. It's not even a whole question. It's just, I don't understand. In this moment, he goes, You guys, I will reveal. Listen, only if we admit we're naked can he clothe us. Only if we admit we don't have can he give it. But if we keep trying, like me, sitting there trying to enter in, God's like, stop it. You're trying to get it. And I want to give it. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Where do you keep, if you had 50 Pounds of gold bullion. Where where would you keep it? Hidden? Hidden? In a vault? I wouldn't tell you where it's kept, right? I will keep it under lock and key. The secrets of the kingdom are indeed the greatest riches. Where does he keep them? Behind a door that only humility can access. This is the meaning of the parable. Oh, there's meaning? If I'm the disciples, I don't think there's meaning. I just think he's doing a, a, you know, a spot for the co-op. The seed is the word of God, all right? So we've got seed. Now, in, the, in that area of Judah, that, anybody seen pictures of what Galilee looks like? You know what Galilee is really known for growing really well? Rocks. Growing up in Kentucky, we have a new crop of stones in the, coming up out of the ground because they had a lot in Kentucky, like there, it's a huge limestone karst underneath. So every time the freezing happens, it breaks pieces of the bedrock off and then they float up through the soil. So every year you get a fresh crop of rocks. Right, yay. So, you know, it, so you, you know, anybody, I moved to Georgia and I tried to grow things. That was a mistake. I grew up. I grew up in Kentucky, man. You can grow things. So I just created a survivor garden. I grew like 23 things just to see what would survive. I, nothing. So the next year, I figured out you got to ameliorate the soil, right? You got to make the soil better. And uh, so some things grew. And then I forgot to ameliorate the soil the next year, and all that soil went where? Gone. Anyway, so they have. Mainly rocks and where huge rocks sticking out of the ground, ground with rocks. I mean, so there anyway, so there's there's they when they go out to they generally there was a couple different ways of, of farming. But Jesus focuses on on the one who sows, who scatters seed. So you imagine the guy's got a bag and he just goes out and he flings seed. Right. And if something grew up, then they tended that. I don't think they had a real deep understanding of agriculture. (laughs) They're just like, if it's alive, well, that's a good place. All right? So literally, what he says, he goes, He goes. so there were four kinds of soil. He goes, "Um, those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. So, it helps if you open a pen. All right, so we've got soil along a path. Okay, how do you make a path? By walking. walking. By walking. How many times? So it's a place where you've gone many, many times. Who here? When you're like, if you if you drive to work, you can zone out and realize only about five minutes later you've been driving, but don't even know what you saw, right? Because you, it's a path. A path is I know, I understand, I see nothing. Somebody could be dancing, like you know. I mean, several times I've had that where I'm like, oh my gosh. I could have hit somebody, I wouldn't even know it. I had, my eyes were open, but I just wasn't aware. A path is, I know what's going to happen, I know what's going to happen. I, I'm good. When I have judged somebody and they open their mouth, what do I assume? I assume I know what they're going to say, and it's going to be stupid. <laughs> or not worth listening to. Or maybe it's going to be offensive, right? Nobody? A path is where I already know the answer. You know how the only way you can get it, get something new is if you lay down what you already know. If I assume I have the answers, then I will, I will, I'll stay there. And so, what he? Who do you think in Jesus's time had the answers? Pharisees. Hmm? Pharisees. Pharisees. They had all the answers. They had answers upon answers upon answers. I love one of the things they say about even today about. The students in seminary, yeshiva, they say if you have seven students, you'll have eight opinions. Right? And they're all ready to die for it. Like it's regular to have fist fights in seminaries. It's hilarious. Anyway, but, but I would submit he's talking about the Pharisees. Why, why does the seed there not bear fruit? What does it say? It can't go through the soil. Why? Because it's hard. But what happens to the seed? Birds eat it. There you go. Birds eat it. The de- and he says, the devil comes and takes it away. Do you know what I would submit? Offense and judgment and unforgiveness caused me to partner with the enemy and allow him to take away when God is speaking from the very word of God that I've been waiting to hear. And nine times out of ten, he'll put it in the mouth of the person I'm least interested in hearing it from. A.k.a. the person I live with. <laughs> <laughs> I am interested. No, I am very interested. But no, let me, let me say this. Well, this is a great point. Masha said you're interested in hearing. I am. But hear me on this. Hear me on this. Do you know that this soil can become good soil? What does it take to make this soil good soil? Plow it. Break it up humble yourself forgive me I have judged forgive me I'm so sorry keep keeping my heart free from judgment it is breaking up the ground I can make any soil good there is no such thing as bad soil if I will simply allow God I can break make that soil good if I will humble my heart and I can receive but but when we live with each other what do we do we have plenty of opportunities to forgive don't we when we're doing life with each other, when we're ministering with one another, we have so many opportunities to forgive. Yeah, but I don't need to forgive that because that's fully justified. Mm-hmm. And it's true. I mean, that's my discernment. Mm-hmm. Think again. If your discernment gives you something other than the fruit of the Spirit, you might have reason to check it. Just saying that. Mm-hmm. If you get something in your discernment that's not bringing the fruit of the Spirit, take it to Holy Spirit to exchange it for what He says over that. Moving on. That's a freebie. All right, the next one. Those on the rocky ground are those, the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. So so what he's talking about, we had a lot of these in, in, uh, in uh, and you, we have them here, but in Kentucky, you have these big limestone stone lumps, and soil would gather on top of them, but the soil is very shallow. And so what happens is when a seed gets in there, Normally, what direction does a seed first grow? Anybody know? Down. And then up. Down then up. So what's happened is is instead if a seed goes into super shallow soil, it sends all of it upward. So it actually go, grows twice as fast. But do you know what happens? As soon as the seed's energy is exhausted, guess what happens? It dies. It has no food. It has no way to get food from the soil. In other words, um, the ground is not broken up with humility of heart. And it doesn't bear fruit. Anybody have some experience of that where you had an incredible encounter and it went nowhere? Usually that's because of, of this. There's a place where God's like, I need you to break up the soil there. And I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Actually, I'm instead of becoming humble, I'm going to use my experience as a reason to be prideful with others. Mm -hmm. They have no root. Where where is the roots? Where are the roots? Underground. Underground. Can you see them? Nobody can see your roots. Nobody can see our roots. What are our roots? They are our walk with Christ. They are our heart. It is, it is Lord, you know, he said, you know, rend our hearts. Oh, God, not our garments. Lord, break my heart. Bring me to humility. They believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they fall away. When it gets hard, when things are not the way I expect, they fall away. The seed that fell upon the thorns stands for those who hear. I don't know how you draw. I guess like. So you can tell art, artistry. I'm giving you opportunities to judge and recover and repent. All right. So among thorns, the seed falls among thorns. What happens? But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures. They do not mature. Let me ask you, when a seed begins to grow, how big is it? (laughs) How big are the thorns? Huge. If we do not prioritize the sweet, humble beginnings of what God's doing in our heart, when we encounter the thorns, the big stuff, guess what? It'll lead it up. But guess what you can do? Do you know what you can do if you've got thorns in your life? Water heaters? Water leaks? What can you do? If, you, if I'm growing this in the natural, I'm growing this, and I see a little plant growing up, and I have thorns all around it, what can I do? Dig them up. Dig them up. The minute I go, oh my gosh, I want to preserve this seed at all costs, I choose, I will, I do not consider these light and momentary troubles to be worthy to be compared with the glory that's about to be revealed but it's just such a piddly little plant. Well, how did Jesus say, what did he say? The kingdom of God is like a, what kind of seed? Mustard seed. seed. It's the tiniest, one of the tiniest little speck of dust. What happens to it though? When it's planted, it grows up to be what? A huge bush that's all like a tree that's full of birds. He's saying, guys, it always starts itty bitty weak. But if you will nurture it, if you will cut away, not allow the troubles and trials to def- say the word is of God is of no consequence, then I will do something if you won't contain But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, Hear the word and what? Hear the word and retain it. That means that when you get a word, it actually takes active choice and participation to retain it. Anybody here lost a word? Lost? God did something, but you've lost it? Retain it. I've got great news for you. If you have gotten a word from God but lost it, he never did. And if you will humble your heart before him, he'll return it to you. How do I know? Been there, done that. There, done that. <laughs> I've lost more words than you'll ever hope to lose. Kind of a professional. I've lost them by judging the person giving them. What are you? Uh, some other ways do you think we lose words? Pride. Pride? Focusing, on Focusing on yourself. Distraction. False idols. False idols. Come on. Not believing it? Unbelief? Come on. Huh? No faith. No faith. Yeah. Nah. Listen, this is something that's super important. When God gives you a word, your heart will, may recognize it, but it will war with your mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And in that moment, faith is a what? Choice. A cho- choosing to nurture that. Now, I've got a question. Uh, Any farmers out there? How long do you think it takes to go from a seed to a full plant that gives you 40, 60, 100 fold? A season? Well, if the word is true, I should already have some wheat. Right? I should already have a crop. Yeah, but these thorns, they produce super quick. These weeds, they produce super quick. Anybody here gotten discouraged waiting on the word and therefore actually pressed in for something else? Decided to change it out for another one? Who here, you've traded out the crop 43 times in a row? Anybody with me? Only to realize you should have stuck with the first one. Just saying. But the seed on good soil stands for those with humble, noble, and good heart who hearing the word retain it And by what? Persevering produce a crop. What what does persevere mean? Staying in there, baby. Staying in there. I would say staying in there in humility. Anybody found that? How often do you need to forgive the people you're doing life with? (laughs) Every day. This hour? I don't know. This minute right anybody here had to forgive people for things they didn't do but the devil told you they thought <laughs> my feelers are all like yeah i know that one the devil tells me everything everybody else is thinking <laughs> no the reality is perseverance is not a passive thing it is extremely active it is holding on to the word of god and not letting it go Do you know what I would say is one of the biggest marks of what God is doing at Asbury? Humility. Humility. And as things progress, I don't know what's going to happen, but like I said, while I was already there, I saw camps on the edges who were, they were getting their own, but it wasn't what God was doing there. They were partying, they were doing their thing because it was what you did in the past move but they weren't getting what God was pouring out. Part of it is because God is pouring out something very specific and targeted for 25 and under and every generation has its own needs and its own issues and its own idols and its own problems and what you, the, the burning question of your life and it might not be the burning question of another generation. Does that make sense? I heard a great description by one of the guys at Asbury Seminary on the other side of the street there who said this. There was a whole thing. He was just giving his uh, feedback on this. But he said this. I find it interesting that God would mark this outpouring with a tangible sense of peace. Do you know it was peace? But it wasn't the peace of a mighty wave. It was a peace of still water. A tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging. See, you want to be offended? Go watch the, the sermon. Anybody watch the sermon that started it all? There ain't much at home to write about. It's like he had a form You've got You know, he had he had no form of a loveliness to attract us. I was like, I was looking at the guy and I was, his name's Zach Meerkrieg and I thought, Okay, Lord, I shouldn't ask this, but why him? (laughs) It's really important to ask the questions you're actually asking and not religiously edit yourself. Because you're still going to ask them. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I shouldn't have to help. I am. He said humility. He He said, Peter, everybody else was too proud. He said, I can use one humble person, over a thousand gifted people. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. You know what the message was? It was the 30 commands in uh, Romans 12, 9 through 21. The 30 commands about living in love together, laying down your life for each other, laying down your life for community. For those of us older than 25, we have been living in a, in, a, in a world of individualized spirituality where I get mine. I'm first and foremost. You heard what I was saying. I was going in there. I was an individual. I was like, forget you all. It's all about me. He's calling us to union. But this generation who has, who has been taught that their desires, their passions, whatever they want, at 3 o'clock in the morning, they can get through the internet by means of however they can, that with no consequences. This generation said, enough! I want real community! I need real relationship! I don't want the fake auto-tuned version! I want real. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. Now, one of the things that was fascinating, I got there on Wednesday, and it had gone nonstop up to that point, 175, 177 hours. And they came up and they announced, they said, hey guys, by the way, we're closing this down at one o'clock. All right, my people, I'll, I'll get there for you. You don't have to go there. I'll, I'll, they'll bring this one home. Quench the Spirit, will you? I was like, God, I, I want to hear, what are you doing? And they explained, we are submitting to leadership that wants to c- protect health and life. And we need to close this down so people can get some rest. <laughs> and do you know what? The youth responded roaring joy and applause. The ones who have no problem staying up all night. Those of us who have a problem staying up all night were grumpy. <laughs> I came all this way For real, move of God. You guys are shutting it down. And God said, I need you to stay till tomorrow. The next day was noon. Uh, I got to take in one of my dad's seminary classes across the way. And then I got out of there and I got in line at 11.45. In the pouring rain, I thought, oh great, it's raining. Nobody will stand in line. I was about a half mile away. (laughs) In the pouring rain, I found out my coat is not, in fact, waterproof. (laughs) And I waited but I got in and I got a great place and I'm standing there and the Lord said, I need you to watch. See, I don't need you to judge. I need you to watch. I Don't need you to judge. I need you to watch. I need you to watch and see. Do you know what I saw? It was better with them when they turned it off? When they created boundaries, the stream flowed better. It wasn't about being afraid of some fickle, capricious God leaving us, but in fact, They created space, and you know how they did it? With radical humility on their faces saying, God, we don't know what to do. But another piece that I so love, many times in the Jesus people movement of the 70s, elder leadership did one of two things. They either shut it down or they abdicated authority. So, well, you guys obviously know what's going on. Go for it. The leadership at Asbury has done one thing. They they are nameless and faceless but they use their authority to create a place of protection and safety and clear boundaries. And that's why they've said, listen, we know what this is about. This is about 25 and under. So we're making this space for 25 and under. And if you're offended, I'm so sorry, but please intercede for them. And we're going to create space so they can come in. Please pray with us for that. Even though though that should shut it down. Has it shut it down? Anybody seen? The place is overwhelmed with people. Coming, they can't even get in. A friend of mine waited nine hours in 20 degree weather yesterday. Still hadn't gotten in. Guys, the hunger is real, but they continue to say, we're fine. They had, they had Fox News and Tucker Carlson say, we want to come out. They said, please don't. They had several of the greatest worship leaders in the nation say, we would love to come and offer our gifts. They said, please don't. Why? Because it's not about y'all or me. It's about what God is doing in this generation and the only thing we can do is not make it about us, but make it about him and what he wants to do. And God said, is it enough for you to be a friend of the bridegroom? And I had to say, honestly, I don't know, but God, is that what you're asking of me? He said, We're still in process on that. Part of me, I want mine. I want what I get. I want my, no, what you have for me, Lord. I'm confident that whatever you have for me will be what I need, what I want. Oh God, let it be. The interesting thing is, again, for a generation raised on studio perfect music, auto-tuned, right? Any rap, rap fans, like old school rap, you're like, mumble rap, are you serious? No, the, the thing is, but raised on studio perfect, there's a hunger for authenticity, and they run. So one of the fascinating things that happened in worship is that they would, the people singing many times wouldn't hold the mics up to their mouth. Oh, well, how are we supposed to follow? You know why they would do it, I believe? Because it was never about them. Many times the room singing quietly would be louder than what was coming through the microphones. And many times the singers would just stop and the people would take over. It was authentic. It was, and I love the way this guy described it, participatory adoration. It was simply adoration. It was so gentle. It was so quiet and yet so powerful. Very much in contrast to so much of the worship that they've been raised on and we've been raised on. But this is what God was doing. It wasn't perfect, but it created space for all of them. One of the things I love about this house is we all sing. That's actually very uncommon in this day and age. It's participatory. A participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. Do you know what they didn't have? They didn't have screens, they didn't have words. I can't sing without words. I'm not talking about you. That was was my declaration. So do you know what they sang? Most of the songs were 5 to 15 years old. A couple hymns thrown in. One song they sang is the oldest hymn in existence. The doxology. Dates from 90 AD. But everybody participated and it was beautiful. Every once in a while, there would be somebody would come up and they would lead something that had production behind it and the room fell flat. But they weren't distracted. They continued to worship. But as soon as they were gone, they leaned back in. It feels as if God is personally meeting young adults in ways that are meaningful to them. What is the right place to find ourselves in a move of God? What do you think? Huh? With proper soil? Receive the word of God. What determines what kind of plant will grow up? The seed. The seed. Who determines what type of seed is placed in my heart? The sower. the sower. Jesus. Jesus says, will you be a friend of the bridegroom? Will you, is this your, what is your and my place in what God is doing in the earth right now? I don't know. But he does. And I tell you, I have a seedling in my heart about this big. I don't know what it will grow into. But I don't want what I can make happen. I want what he implants in me. I want what he has. As we take a moment right now, I want us to just get low. My first question I would ask us to ask him is, Lord, what is the soil of my heart like? Which of those four soils represents my heart, and to some degree, all four of them. That's the first question. Second thing is, what do you want to do to ameliorate my soil, improve my soil, make my soil good? What are the offenses and judgments I need to lay aside? What are the the fears and confusions and unforgiveness I need to lay aside? What are the things that haven't worked out in my life That I need to lay aside. What are the agendas I need to lay aside and surrender to you? That my heart would be free of those things the rocks, the weeds, the the thorns, and the path would be broken up that I could receive the seed. And the third question Lord, what is the seed you want to implant in me in this season? How do you want me to respond? to what you're doing in the earth right now. Lord, we trust you. We worship you. If we could have the worship team come up. As we go into worship, let us have humble hearts. Humble hearts that are crying out for whatever God has for for us. Not our, our agendas, not our past, not our history, not what we expect, not what we think, but what he has for us. Let our hearts be hungry and humble to receive from him.
1: Soon as Jesus. I just feel like I've been like in the crash course of just um repentance this week and just like Jesus. And I keep hearing if you gone low, go lower. If you gone lower, go lower. I feel like there is like a window of time for repentance and it's now. <laughs> Oh, And for me, a lot of times it's just repentance of my expectations, repentance of my agenda, of my understanding. It's not of anything. It's not necessarily of sin or anything bad. It's just repentance of like, it has to be my way. I've paid too much of a price for it not to be my way. (laughs) Whatever it is whatever whatever the thing is, but it's just like letting go and being like Jesus, whatever it looks like. Whatever it looks like Jesus. Uh, if you are just feeling like in that uncomfortable place right now, I just feel like um, this altar is open. Like I feel like this is the time to do this. This is the time to just do business with God and just... <laughs> Just come, come and just do, just lay down what you need to lay down. I mean, it doesn't have to be part of the service. It can just be after, just whatever, whatever it needs. Ah, Jesus. Jesus, whatever idols, whatever gods, whatever expectations just lay them down Jesus we just let go anything we've been holding on to we just let go Jesus we want you Jesus we want you Jesus we want you Jesus we want you Jesus I just don't want to do a shortcut on the work that the Holy Spirit is doing. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just want you to do what you want to do. We want you to prepare us and how you want to prepare us. We just love you, Jesus. Prepare our hearts, Jesus. Let your holy repentance just sweep across to prepare us to turn us from the way things were to what you're preparing for. you so much Jesus do what you want to do Jesus if the ministry teams can come forward if anyone needs ministry for anything especially if you feel like God is doing just the deep work in your hearts I know he's doing it in ours. If you like me are just in the very uncomfortable place of feeling your soil being tilled and just <sighs> turned over and ripped around, and <laughs> I want to say that this space is open, it will be open as long as you need it. We'll switch over to just um, music eventually, but just don't let it just stop you. As long as you need, just come. and. Pour your heart to God and just do what you need to do with let him do what he wants to do in you Just love you Jesus in Jesus name Amen Amen. Those who need to go can go. Those who want to stay and linger and just lay at the altar or sit at the altar or sit in your chair and just keep receiving.